Hello, and welcome to Just Saying Sports. My name is Jake Adnip, and with me is Sean Dwyer. We're going to be bringing you a weekly podcast that's going to encompass relevant sports news spanning both college and professional levels. Along with the news, we're going to be giving you our takes on these topics and let you know how we think these stories will impact the world of sports. So without further ado, Sean, take it away. All right, for our first show this week, um, we're going to, of course, start off with our bracket show. Um, This is going to lead us into um, what we want to do going forward, covering relevant sports topics. So to start our bracket show, we're going to start off with – some issues that we have with the seating committee, uh, the, the, where the teams were seated, what teams were in, what teams were left out. And then from there, we're going to go down a breakdown of bracket by bracket, um, region by region, what we think is going to happen in those regions. And then we're going to wrap it all up with a final four and how we see the final four playing out. Sounds like a plan there. To get off started with, I'll just go ahead and say – that there are plenty of teams that got left out of this team's tournament and plenty that got in that I was not too happy with. Um, Just to start off with, I think the most obvious one is Oklahoma getting in the tournament and Oklahoma State being left out of the tournament. Uh, Oklahoma State actually just won their first NIT game against Florida Gulf Coast today, but that really doesn't matter because they're not in the big dance. Uh, The reason I have a problem with this, Sean, is – Oklahoma State beat Oklahoma twice. Oklahoma State also beat number one seed Kansas twice, including once at home. And that is just a complete snub to me. Uh, Oklahoma lost 11 of the last 15 games. They haven't won a true road game since December, not even in 2018. And I have the creeping suspicion that the committee just wanted to see Trey Young play. So what do you think? Uh, I think that's definitely true. I think the Trey Young factor had a big part of Oklahoma getting in. And Oklahoma State being left out, I think, was one of the big things that people have problem with. You know, we look at another team that was put in in Syracuse. How Syracuse got in is beyond me. They play maybe five, six guys total off their team. And they don't really score a lot. So, And then the team that I thought that really got snubbed being left out was St. Mary's. Um, yeah. They got a big – I know they're playing a small-time conference out west, um, but they won a lot of games, and they've looked dominant in their games. And leaving them out of the tournament, I think, is just – I think St. Mary's is one of those teams that should have been in. It's, it's not even that they won a lot of games. They won some big games. They beat big teams too. So with this committee, I, I have questions with how they seeded these teams because the thing that I noticed, at least, is that they put so much – stock in quality wins and when it comes to like Oklahoma State uh they had quality wins Oklahoma didn't uh they let you know almost I I I don't understand they let it happen is what I'll say uh same thing you know Kansas they lost their one seed I'm I'm not okay I'm just saying how about that I'm just saying Kansas shouldn't be a one seed to me they lost seven games including multiple games at home I know they have, I believe it's a second-ranked uh, strength of schedule. Uh, but the thing is, is h- how do you have a one seed with seven losses when they haven't looked like a one seed the entire year? Oh, they haven't. Um, Kansas has, I think they have, what, 11 losses? Kansas? 
Yes. No, they have seven losses. Seven losses. Um, and then, the, like they said, they haven't lost a lot of games at home in like the last twenty years. But in this one year, they lost what was it, four games at home? I think so. And that was in like within a month and a half of each other. They just didn't look like the dominant Kansas team that we expect them to be at the beginning of the year. And that goes for a lot of teams, but at some point, some team has to be number one seed. Mm-hmm. Um, there might not have been a lot of deserving teams, but I think Kansas was probably the most deserving of the least deserving teams, so to say. I, I guess, I guess. So I really don't have a big problem with Kansas being on that one line. Um, what I do have a bigger, a bigger problem with is Alabama being a nine seed. That doesn't make sense. They're 19 and 15. Yeah, they have pretty close to darn near 500 record, and they're a nine seed. Um, you look at a team like Wichita State, um, finished fifth in their conference and they're a four seed fifth um fifth finished fifth in their conference and they're a four seed and so a lot of things just don't add up with this year's bracket and i know when you look at every year's bracket there's a lot of things that don't really add up but this year there are just some glaring issues and i don't know if that's with the introduction of this quadrant system for this year um maybe the new faces on the committee but it's definitely a big issue they're going to have to address going to the next year's selection show of course. Now, uh, there's a few more a few more seeds that there's issues with, but we're just going to leave those behind because these guys are in the tournament. They're seeded where they are, and we're going to have to deal with it. So we're going to go ahead and hop into our first region. Uh, um, real, real quick, um, quick note, um, just throwing out today's news. Um, Virginia, the overall number one seed in the tournament, lost DeAndre Hunter, the ACC Sixth Man of the Year. He's averaging 9.2 points, 3.5 rebounds. Um, hurt his wrist. Uh, they're saying 10 to 12 weeks, which obviously puts him out of the entire tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, one of the things I was reading up says the NBA scouts say this guy is the best NBA talent on their team. I saw so that as well. As a six-man coming off the bench with your best NBA talent, it's definitely going to hurt your odds of winning it all. Um, you can't get around that. You're losing probably someone who would be starting on 90% of other teams. Mm-hmm. In the country so i think this is something to keep in mind when you're going through your brackets with virginia is they're not going to have one of the guys that they've had all year all righty so we'll go ahead and hop in there we'll actually start off in that south bracket with virginia so here we go all right and for our first segment, we're going to go through the south bracket for you here. We're going to give Jake the teams that are playing in the matchup, what he thinks for your about 30, 45 seconds, how he thinks this game's going to play out. First off, we're going to go with Virginia and UMBC. All righty. I don't want to take too much time to go through this one because it is one of those one sixteen matchups. Uh, it's not very often that you even see a close game out of these. So we're just going to go ahead and chalk this one up for Virginia, even though they will be down a man. All right, next game up, we have Creighton and Kansas State. Now, this is a tough one because those 8-9 matchups in the tournament are always a little shaky. It's hard to choose between the two because they're usually pretty evenly matched. But the thing with this Kansas State team is is what I've seen out of them is that they're not the fastest team. They uh, really like to sit down, get in their defensive sets, and really try to lock it off. But I don't think that Creighton is going to let them do that. Uh, 
Creighton doesn't really take bad shots. Creighton is pretty efficient with the ball, and they like to move fast up and down the court. And I think that's going to be the difference. So I'm going to say Creighton is going to take Kansas State out and uh, avoid the upset there. All right, next up on the docket, we have Kentucky versus Davidson. All right, so Kentucky with me is another one of those powerhouse schools. It's really hard for me to put powerhouse schools like Kentucky out in the first round, especially against a school like Davidson, you know, Stephen Curry's uh, alma mater. But the thing is, is regardless of how much of a down season Kentucky may have had, they still, you know, rank in the top 20 in RPI. They still average over 75 points a game. But Coach Cal always seems to try to make his guys show up in the tournament. I'm going to give it to uh, Kentucky just because I don't think this is the 12-5 upset that we're going to see this year. All right, so he's taking Kentucky. Moving on next, we have Arizona and Buffalo. Now, I'm really excited for this Arizona team here in this tournament. Uh, DeAndre Ayton is an absolute monster. Uh, the guy's seven, nearly seven foot tall. I don't know if there's anybody in the NCAA who could effectively guard that man one-on-one. I know they're going to double-team him. I know they're going to make it as hard as possible for this Arizona team to do whatever they can, but I definitely see them coming out on top and making a pretty good run in this tournament. Moving on to the 6-11 matchup, we have Miami versus Loyola Chicago. So this is a really good one. Um, I have a couple friends who have gone down to Loyola, and they got a lot of faith in their team. I've heard a couple good things about them, and, you know, they're 28-5 and five on the year. Uh, they didn't have uh, too, too hard of a schedule, but they're still ranked in the top 30 in RPI and just outside the top 50 in the BPI. Uh, they are a pretty high-powered team, according to everything. You know, I, I haven't really seen them play, but I'm going to give them the 11-6 upset over Miami. I don't think that Miami is very explosive. They only have one guy who's averaging over 13 or 14 points a game, and the rest of them are right around 8 or 9 or 10. And I just think if Loyola, Illinois, can score 65 or 70 points, they're going to get the best of Miami. All right, moving on to the three fourteen matchup. We have Tennessee versus Wright State. Now, this is another one that I've heard quite a bit about because I have – people down in the Tennessee area who are doing coverage and such on them. Uh, Tennessee was not very highly ranked at the beginning of the season. A lot of pe- people picked them at the bottom of the SEC, but they have had a show out season. Uh, they finished the season 25 and eight. I believe they were uh, second in the SEC and, you know, they, they have done well the entire year. I think they're kind of a dark horse uh, they have had some pretty bad lo- – not bad losses, but losses to good teams. You know, they lost to Villanova. They lost to uh, North Carolina. They've lost to Kentucky, but they also beat Kentucky twice. So it's, it's kind of a toss-up here, but um, I'm going to make sure I take Tennessee over Wright State. Um, the 7-10 matchup next is Nevada versus Texas. Now, Shaka Smart is a good basketball coach. He really has turned Texas around in the last couple weeks, but – they're 19 and 14. This is almost like one of those Alabama teams that I'm not totally bought in on their ability to have success in the tournament. Uh, sure, like I said, Shaka Smart has done a lot of things with other teams in the past. Uh, I remember those VCU teams that always scared everybody in the tournament. But, you know, I was pretty high on Nevada last year because they, they are a good basketball team. They are a good basketball program. Uh, they consistently schedule harder than what they're – what their conference is, and, you know, they 
they always show up when they can. I know they got knocked out in the first round last year, but I'm going to take Nevada over Texas just because I don't think this Texas squad has the firepower to make any type of run in this tournament. And rounding out the first round games for the South bracket is the two seed Cincinnati versus the 15 seed Georgia State. Now this was the, you know, they always say there's a uh, two fifteen upset there, Sean, in the tournament. It has happened quite a few times over the last four or five years, more than anybody would like to expect. Uh, but, you know, I thought about giving Georgia State the W over Cincinnati because I don't think Cincinnati has the quality wins, the quality schedule. Um, you know, they're 3-3 they're three and three versus the top 25, which means all of their losses is, have come against the best teams that they've played. And it's tough for me for not to take Georgia State after seeing the magic that has happened there. In the, I think it was two years ago in the tournament. And, you know, that's how madness happens. And uh, I'm going to take Cincinnati over uh, Georgia State just because I'm going to give the community the benefit of the doubt on this one and go ahead and say that uh, Cincinnati is going to pull this out. All right, moving back up to the top of the bracket to go through round two, we're going to go with the one-seed Virginia versus the eight-seed Creighton. Now, once again, I, I know I said that Virginia is a man down. I don't have them going very far in this tournament, but it's not going to stop in the round of 32. Creighton's a good team, but I told you, they, they like to get out and run. That is the exact opposite of what Virginia is going to let you do. You know, they have the, one of the best, if not the best defense in the nation, points per game-wise. They, they consistently hold people under 60 points. And if they're going to be in your face and they're going to make sure you can't run in transition, Virginia is going to win this game hands down. All right. The next game up, we have five-seed Kentucky versus four-seed Arizona. Now, once again, this is one of those powerhouse matchups in the round of 32 that the committee, I think, really wants to see. Uh, Having a school like Kentucky, like I said, one of those powerhouses in college basketball face off against such a highly touted Arizona team this year. You know, Arizona has taken some pretty crappy losses um, so far. You know, they lost to Purdue by 25. Um, They lost to UCLA, who just got bounced out in the first four. And they lost to NC State. Uh, this is another team that I I really think had some bad games, but I think they'll be able to use De- DeAndre Ayton in their uh, guard play, their veteran guard play to get past Kentucky because Coach Kale brings his guys to play, but you know we've seen such better teams out of Kentucky in the past five, five to six years that I do not see them going anywhere near what they have accomplished before. So we're going to go ahead and take Arizona over Kentucky in that Really close matchup. Yeah, and personally with this game, I feel like Arizona, we got the two seven-footers down low. Kentucky doesn't really match up with them down low. I think Arizona wins this one by a wide margin. Um, next game that we got to talk about is the 11-seed Loyola Chicago versus the three-seed Tennessee. Now, I know Tennessee has one of the most efficient offenses in all of college basketball, um, let alone just the SEC, but I think I'm going to take the Cinderella story on Loyola. Uh, I think it's been something like 33 years since they've been in the tournament, but little does everybody know they have won a national title before all the way back in the 1960s. And I, I know that doesn't have much weight in 2018, but you know, they're five and zero in the last few games. They ran uh, through the MVC and 
I, I'm going to give Loyola that sweet 16 Cinderella birth. This is that, that bracket buster. I don't think everybody's going to pick, but I, I'm going to give it to him over Tennessee. All righty then. So next up for the game, we have number seven, Nevada, and number two, Cincy. Now, Cincinnati, I told you, I, I don't think that they're the best team, especially for a two seed. But, you know, they went 16-2 and two in their conference, and, you know, they haven't lost to anybody outside the 20, top 25 in Ken Palm. Uh, the thing is, is they're good on defense, they're good on offense, and Nevada doesn't have the entire – doesn't have the entire arsenal in order to bring Cincinnati down. So we're going to go ahead and give it to the two-seed Cincinnati. All right, breaking down your sweet 16s, you have the one-seed Virginia and the four-seed Arizona. This is where I have our number one overall seed Virginia fallen. I think that six-man issue with DeAndre being out is really going to pull off three games into the tournament. Uh, When they have those two seven-footers, as you mentioned, Sean, eating up everything in the middle, and they're not going to have any energy to bring off the bench. I think Arizona is just going to be able to outlast Virginia in this game. If, if Arizona can score more than 60 points, I think that's a game, set, match. All right. And in the other Sweet 16 matchup, we have Loyola, Chicago, and Cincinnati. Now, this is where the Cinderella story stops. I personally, these, these 10-plus seeds don't make it all the way. It's just not how it works out most of the time. So I'm just going to stick with my gut on the – Luck can only go far, and I'm going to give it to Cincinnati. All right, that's what's up our South Region Championship game in the Elite Eight between number four seed Arizona and number two seed Cincinnati. And I can reference back to what I said about that both of these teams over the last couple matchups, uh, but I'm going to stick with the monsters of Arizona, the Monstars, should I say. Um, well, I really want to see DeAndre Ayton on the biggest stage, and I really think he's going to be able to propel Arizona into the Final Four. All right, and that finishes out our South bracket with Arizona taking the berth into the Final Four. All right, next we are moving on to the West region of the bracket, starting with the number one seed, Xavier, taking on the winner of... North Carolina Central and Texas Southern. Now, I know, uh, depending on the playing game, it's just who's going to get beat worse. Um, Xavier is, I don't think that they're the best one seed uh, in this tournament, but I definitely think they're going to get past the 16. I, I said this in that first bracket. We're, we're probably going to go 116s all across the board pretty easily. Yeah, I don't see that changing much from ever. Um, exactly. Next- Next matchup, we have number eight, Missouri, and number nine, Florida State. Now, this is one that got a lot interesting, a lot more interesting over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. from Missouri uh, got back there in that tournament, in the conference tournament, and now he's one of, he has been one of the most highly touted NBA prospects in the NCAA all year, even without playing some of the time. So I've, I've seen him play, and he is a very good player. I mean, Florida State has some pretty good big guys, and I know they rebound very, very well. Uh, they, they have a chance to beat Missouri. This is one of those 8-9 matchups that I talked about before, but I'm going to give the edge to Missouri purely because of their star power, and I think Michael Porter Jr. is going to be the, the, the difference in this game. Yeah, personally, I'd give it to Florida State. You know, I just don't think adding Michael Porter Jr. back in a second 
third college career game is going to make that much of a difference for Missouri. I think they're still going to try to be figuring out how to play with him. And I think that just leads to Florida State taking this one. Um, next game we have is the five-seed Ohio State and the 12-seed South Dakota State. So this one here is going to be my 12-5 upset. Uh, South Dakota State has a man named Mike Dom. Uh, he's scoring, I believe, 26 points a game. And he is a, a beast. I'll put it that way. He is going to present a terrible matchup problem for this Ohio State team. I, I think that Bates Diop is very, very good. He does definitely deserve to be in that wooden award conversation. But there's something about this Jackrabbits team that says to me they're, they're going to be good. Yeah, um, I agree. I think they're going to take out Ohio State. Um, I think that guy just proves too much of a matchup problem for Ohio State. Um, the next game on our list is number four, Gonzaga, and 13, UNC Greenville. All righty. Well, Gonzaga has – Greensboro, yes. Um, Gonzaga has done pretty well in the tournament in the past. They always show up. I know they, they've been known to make some runs but never make it all the way. Uh, but putting a UNC Greensboro over them, I do not see it. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give this one to Gonzaga. Uh, they, they are still a very, very solid team coming out of, out of the West there. Um, moving on to the number six seed Houston and 11 seed South San Diego State. All righty. Now, I have another upset going on here. Um, San Diego State had to beat Nevada to get into the tournament. Uh, that's one thing that I liked. You know, I have Nevada beating Texas in that south bracket because I do think Nevada's a good team. So seeing them do that in the last couple of weeks, they have a guy named Malik Pope. He's a center, big guy. Um, he, he, he really can do, do the thing. I mean, he's only averaging about 13 points a game, 6.6 uh, 6 rebounds. But that's a, that's a pretty big touch for a center, if you ask me. Uh, Big thing for me, uh, Houston is 3-2 and two versus top 25. They, haven't, they have a couple really good wins this season, but I'm going to go ahead and give that upset to that 11 seed there. Yeah, you know, um, I have 6 seed Houston winning this game. I think just from watching a little bit of them that I had in the American Conference Championship, um, they took Cincinnati down to the end of the second half. Um, I think they can ride that momentum, and I think they're going to pull this game off. Now, I do want to add one more note. Uh, San Diego State did beat Gonzaga earlier in the year. Um, they, they beat Nevada twice. I thought it was only once, but that was there in the end of the season. Uh, I, I definitely think that San Diego State has a chance to, to pull Houston's rug out from underneath them. Oh, definitely. I mean, I'm not confident in the Houston pick, um, but, you know, I, I'm leaning more towards Houston. Of course. Um, next game we have is the three-seed University of Michigan and the 14-seed Montana. This is one of those teams that I have the luxury of seeing multiple times a year, watching a lot of Big Ten basketball. Uh, Mo Wagner, or Mo Wagner, uh, I should say, showed up really big in the Big Ten tournament. But I do think the weak break for Michigan uh, might adversely affect them but not against the Montana team. Uh, John Beeline brings a, a really solid group to the table every year. You know, he, he makes sure that these guys don't foul. He makes sure they don't turn over the ball, which is a pretty good recipe for winning in the tournament. 
So I'm going to go ahead and give that to the Big Ten Tournament champions, Michigan. Um, moving next, we have the 7-seed Texas A&M and the 10-seed Providence. Now, I like this game. I like this game a lot. Um, both of these teams are ranked in the top 35 in RPI. Uh, they, they both have done okay against the best teams. They each have three wins against the top 25. But Providence beat Villanova, which everybody thinks is one of the most, you know, un, not unbeatable, but they have to beat themselves is what a lot of people think. And when Providence beat them, it wasn't so much beating themselves. Providence has beat Nova. They've even beat Xavier twice. So that's something that I definitely can't look past. And I'm going to go ahead and give it to Providence. Yeah, I agree. And I think it just seems like a trend the past two years. Every time you look at Texas A&M and they need to have a game, they just come out and flop. And I think that carries over into the tournament. And Texas a and is going to lay an egg against Providence. It's just a recent trend, and I think it's going to continue. Um, yeah, I, I see. The last game of the first round in the West bracket is number two seed North Carolina and 15 seed Lipscomb. North Carolina is a team I never want to see in the tournament. I don't think anybody really wants to, especially because they are definitely playing their best best basketball right now. You know, they just won that ACC uh, tournament, you know, took Duke out again. And they're the number one rebounding team in the nation, which doesn't surprise me as a Roy Williams team. They do it quite regularly. Um, I don't give Lipscomb a very good shot of, of anything in this game. So we're going with uh, the Tar Heels. All right, moving on to the second round in the West bracket. We open up with the number one seed, Xavier, and the eight seed, Missouri. All righty. Now, I'm going to take Xavier. Uh, I know that Xavier has what it takes to make a run all the way into the Final Four if need be. Uh, Missouri, you know, I took the I took the Michael Porter Jr. But as you said before, his inexperience is going to have to play a big role at one point in this tournament. And I think they might be high after a game on or after winning a game against Florida State. But Xavier is going to be way too much to handle for them. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and give that one to X. All right. The next game in the bracket that we have listed is the 12 seed South Dakota State and the 4 seed Gonzaga. Now, this is another one. I uh, really like this matchup for South Dakota State. Uh, Mike Dom's on the inside again. I know that Gonzaga has a couple good big guys, but they, um, I don't think they are going to be able to uh, hold down Mike Dom. I mean, their best forward is Jonathan Williams. He's averaging 13.5 points per game. And, you know, Mike Dom is playing the same position, going 23.8 and 10.4 rebounds. You know, that guy's all over the place. So we're going to go ahead and give it to South Dakota State. Uh, Yeah, I personally have Gonzaga moving into the Elite Eight. Um, I think Killian Tilly is just too much for South Dakota State. And then I don't think Xavier has a big guy that can run the floor and match up with him. So personally, I have Gonzaga moving into the Elite Eight. our next matchup that you have set up is the San Diego State Aztecs and the University of Michigan. Now, I'm going to go ahead and give this one to Beeline's crew once again. Uh, as I said in that top bracket, you know, magic can only last so long uh, after you beat a team, you know, that 11 seed. I don't, I don't see Michigan falling off just yet is what I'll say. Um, moving on, we have the 10 seed Providence Friars and the 2 seed North Carolina Tar Heels. 
Now, as long as North Carolina can play the basketball that they have been, they'll win this game. But with Providence having the wins that they do over Xavier, um, over Villanova, they, they, be, they lost to Butler twice. Um, but they, they had some really good games. Uh, not going to be enough for the Roy Williams uh, pity party. They're going to go ahead and have North Carolina, you know, kind of run away with this one. I think it'll be close into the second half. And then once that second half opens, Roy Williams will make his adjustments and it's, it's going to be game over. All right. That sets up our sweet 16 matchups in the West with the first one going to the number one Xavier versus the number 12 seed South Dakota state. I'll say it again. You can only go so far on the backs of a unicorn. Um, Xavier has been, I basically had their best regular season in school history. And, you know, they made a run into this spot last year in the elite eight. And I'm going to put them back in that same spot again this year. All right. And that sets up the second sweet 16 game, which is the number three seed Michigan Wolverines and the number two seed North Carolina Tar Heels. Now this is actually the matchup in this part of the bracket that I am most excited for. Um, I do think Michigan presents a pretty good, uh, pretty good game here against North Carolina, depending on if that week break uh, energizes Michigan or if it kind of drowns, drowns them out after that first weekend, I think will be the difference. Um, you know, if they can come off, keep it rolling, they might have a shot, but I think the, the Tar Heels are going to pull this out just because I do believe they are the better team. And I think that they, uh, they've shown it over the last month. And that sets up our West region championship game between Xavier and North Carolina. Now I don't see Xavier going any further than the elite eight here. Um, a lot of times I don't like putting a bunch of one seeds in my final four, uh, even though they normally show up there. Um, I think North Carolina is going to pull this out. Uh, like you said, um, or, or like I said, I guess, uh, the, the rebounding is going to be the difference in this matchup. Uh, Xavier has, has the guys to do it, but with Luke Maine down there, Luke, Luke May is a, a monster. You know, when he played Michigan State, we saw him play – Back then, you know, we lost by or we won by 12, I think it was, but he wasn't a uh, he wasn't a um, what, what's the word I'm looking for, Sean? A not a big guy, yeah, he's not a down low post player that's gonna match up well with bigger guys, yeah. So, when he, he's gonna be able to make this happen for North Carolina, though. With, yeah, with him not being able to play down low, it means he's going to be playing more up top. And Xavier, like I've mentioned with them against Gonzaga, they don't have big guys that match up with guys that can stretch the floor. Mm-hmm. So that's why I also give it to North Carolina. Um, so, yeah, that sets up our West region champion, North Carolina. And they will be meeting our South region champion, Arizona, in the Final Four. All right. Moving across to the other side of the bracket and up to the top to the East region, we start off with the first round game of Villanova and the winner of, well, I guess the game's already over now. It's going to be Villanova versus Radford. Yes, it will. I know everybody's pretty high on Radford coming into this tournament, uh, (laughs) but once again, this is a 1-16 matchup. The, The gap is just way too large to ever see this happening. So Villanova with the dub. 
Uh, the next round we have, or the next game, I mean, sorry. We have the eight-seed Virginia Tech and the nine-seed Alabama. Now, we talked about Alabama a little bit in the seeding at the beginning, um, you know, how they're a nine-seed in general. Um, I, I'm going to use that logic almost and say they get bounced by Virginia Tech uh, fairly early in this tournament. Um, Virginia Tech has beat Virginia. They've beat Duke. They've beat North Carolina. They've beat Clemson. Um, that's a lot of good wins for a 21 and 11 team. Um, they, you know, they, they went 10 and eight in their conference and Alabama went eight and 10 and made a run in the conference tournament. Uh, that's why they got into the tournament in the first place. Uh, if you ask me, they had a good showing and, you know, I think, I think that finger roll is what got them into the tournament, which to me is completely undeserving. So Virginia tech, uh, the Hokies are going to pull this one out. Uh, yeah, personally, I have Alabama. I just think it's one of those games I just have a feeling about. Um, Alabama's getting a lot of heat right now for being in the tournament, being the ninth seed, not really having the best record and being in. I think Colin Sexton and Bama used that as some motivation. I think they pulled this one off. I got them beating Virginia Tech. All right. And the next game, we have the five-seed West Virginia and the 12-seed Murray State. Now, Sean and I talked uh, before this this year podcast about some teams that, you know, we wouldn't want to see in the tournament, some teams that we wouldn't mind. And I know Sean had some pretty strong feelings about West Virginia. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell him about this matchup? Uh, yeah, you know, I just think West Virginia proves to be a matchup nightmare for a lot of teams. They run a full press coming back on the defense, and they try and get you in the half court and just pound away at you on offense. Um. So if you're you got to bring your your Ben Gay when you come to play West Virginia because you're going to be all over the place. You got to be conditioned. You got to be tough. And I just think there's a lot of teams that probably don't match up well with West Virginia. So yeah, we're both definitely going to take West Virginia over uh, Murray State here in that first round. All right, the next game we have the four seed Wichita State and the thirteen seed Marshall. Well, this might be a shocker to some of you, but I'm going to give this one to Wichita. Um, the herd, you know, they haven't really played anybody all year. Um, you know, they they won their conference. Uh, they lost to Xavier, um, but their best their best wins are against Middle Tennessee. Um, they got two of them, and you know, Middle, Middle Tennessee isn't even in the tournament. Um, you know, Marshall hasn't been in the NCAA tournament for like twenty something years. Uh, Wichita has done nothing but really excel in this situation over the last. 10, 10 years almost since the 2000, the dawn of the 2010s. Um, Wichita State should definitely bring this one home. I am going with the thundering herd of Marshall. I just think this is a game where Marshall comes to play. They haven't, like you said, haven't been in the tournament in forever. And I think they're going to want to make an impression. So I am taking Marshall. Um, they have a player on their team, leads the country in blocks per game could be a difference maker in this game. Uh, I just want to, I look forward to this game. This is one that I have circled on my calendar as one that I want to personally tune into. Um, moving on, we have the six seed Florida against what was now the 11 seed St. Bonaventure Bonnies. Yep. Uh, St. Bonaventure just beat UCLA uh, this past evening uh, to play into that game against Florida. Um, you know, I don't have very much faith in this Florida team personally, um, you know, St. Bonaventure is 
RPI is higher than Florida's. Um, you know, they, they've done just about as good uh, across the board uh, all throughout the year. Um, but, you know, Florida's lost almost all of the games that they needed to win um, with Duke, uh, Tennessee, Clemson. Um, you know, they've been so inconsistent. There, there's games they were scoring 90 points, and then two days later they're scoring 55 and, and losing to a subpar team. So I don't really trust them too much, but with St. Bonaventure playing tonight and then having to play again later in the week, I don't see it happening to go over a, a pretty decent Florida team. So I'm going to give it to that 60 Florida. Yeah, I have St. Bonaventure taking this game. I just feel that they're going to ride the momentum from the first four. You see it a lot with teams that are in this situation with the 11 seed. Once they win that play-in game, the games against the six seeds are a little bit closer, in my opinion, just from ones I've watched in the past. They're better games. Um, you see a couple more teams winning those games than I think other 6-11s that don't have that play-in. Mm-hmm. So I think, I I think St. Bonaventure is going to take this one. All righty. Yeah, I, I wish I really got a chance to watch them against – uh, UCLA, because I, I haven't had a chance to see them this year. So almost just kind of going off of the weariness of I've seen Florida play, no matter how inconsistent. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the edge to them. So, Yeah. Uh, the next game is the three-seed Texas Tech and the 14-seed SF Everybody Austin. remembers when FS, SF Austin did a little bit of work in the tournament. I believe they just went to the round of 32. But um, Texas Tech is way, way, way too strong for this SF Austin team. A lot of people have Texas Tech as a kind of a dark horse in this tournament. Um, you know, they they went four and one against the, the top teams in the country this year. Um, they, they're they beat Kansas. Um, they beat TCU twice. Uh, there's a couple other games that they've they've really kind of showed out in. And FS, SF Austin is one of the lowest ranked teams that I've seen coming into the tournament in terms of metrics and stats, um, especially by Kempom. Uh, I, I don't put all my uh, all my eggs in a basket with the Kempom rankings, but I definitely trust them on this one because it's one of those mid-major teams that, you know, look really hot because uh, of their record and what they've done. But when you look at the metrics, I don't think they have the goods to get past uh, Texas Tech. All right. Moving on to the 7-10 matchup, we have Arkansas versus Now, Butler Butler has played some really, really good games this year. Um, They beat Villanova. uh, They beat Ohio State. But, you know, they've also had some pretty bad losses. I mean, they lost to Xavier both times they played them. Um, You know, another thing that's going to present a weird thing here is, you know, if they they make it on to that next round, they're going to have to probably face Purdue, which really put a licking on them the first time that they played. Uh, So I'm, I'm, I'm... Really skeptical about how far Butler can go in this tournament, but with Arkansas losing to, um, you know, Kentucky by 15 um, to other good teams in this tournament by, you know, 20 points, I I have here Houston beat them by 26. Um, And this is a Houston squad that I don't think is, you know, the greatest, Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and give this one to Butler because I think that they're really going to want that matchup with Purdue. Yeah, get a little bit of revenge from the game earlier in the year. I'm taking Butler, too. I just, I'm not buying Arkansas. Um, next matchup for the last round of, last round one game for the East region, we have Purdue and Cal State Now, Florida. like I said, being a Big Ten basketball guy, I get to watch Purdue uh, quite often. 
you know, they have a very, very complete team. They lead, they're one of the leaders in the nation in three point three pointers. And then, you know, they got Drago or as we call him, they got Drago down low and, you know, a seven foot three man ain't hard or isn't too easy to, you know, play around, play through, um, even play with, uh, you know, I don't think uh, CSF is, you know, fall is going to be able to do anything with this Purdue team. All right. So that takes us to the second round of the East region, starting off with Villanova and Virginia. Now this Tech. is a pretty interesting matchup. Cause like I told you guys before, Virginia Tech has won some pretty big games this year. Um, like I said, including against one and two seeds all across the board with Virginia, Duke, North Carolina. Um, this could be a much closer game than most people would predict, uh, especially with Jalen Brunson doing his thing. You know, he, I think he's going to show up in this tournament, um, which I think is probably going to help them get past the Hokies. Um, but, you know, the Hokies definitely present a, a bit of a scare for Villanova in that second round. And I don't think that this, this matchup should be looked past very, very easily. All right, moving on, we have the five-seed West Virginia Mountaineers and the four-seed Wichita State Sharks. Now, this is where Sean and I differ. I know he had Marshall coming up into here, but I think we could both agree that we have West Virginia and uh, Huggy Bear um, going on into that elite or that Sweet 16 spot. Uh, like he said, you know, Wichita might, might get a really close game against this Marshall squad. Uh, might tire him out a little bit, but the thing is that Wichita State hasn't played well against the, the, the best the best teams in the nation this year. You know they're in that another one of those mid major conferences that you know you, you like to watch them play basketball, and you know that they're going to be able to make a run every year. But it's another one of those things. This is why they're in the tournament and so seeded highly every year is because they they don't have the strength of schedule and they don't have the 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 really the the breath to make it deep into the tournament. All right, moving on. We have the six-seed Florida Gators and the three-seed Texas Tech Red Raiders. All right, so this is another game I told you. I don't really think that Florida is consistent enough to make a run in the tournament. Um, like I said, they, they score 90 points one game, 55 points the next. Um, I can only see that continuing. So we're going to go ahead and give this one to Texas Tech, that dark horse that I said a lot of people are looking at. And that sets up the last game of round two, which is our revenge game we mentioned earlier, the seven, 10 seed Butler versus two seed Purdue. Now, of course, uh, revenge, you know, is a dish best served cold, but I'm just saying Purdue's a dang good basketball team. Uh, Butler was exposed against them the first time, uh, but if Purdue can get their three-point shots to fall and grab some offensive boards, there's no way that this Butler team's going to be able to get them down five or six points and make a run um, in a game. I think that if it stays close, Purdue's going to come out on top. And if it's not close, it's going to be because Purdue's up by 10 or 15 points. All right, moving on to the Sweet 16. Our first matchup is Villanova and West Virginia. So, um, another one of those games that I know Sean is salivating over um, with – with Villanova being as good as they are in offense and with West Virginia being as good as they are in defense, that's just one of those games you like to see in March. That's one of those games that you get to watch every second of, and you know, it's going to be a hard fought battle with bodies hitting the floor. Um, you know, people getting all hyped up, you know, the referee is going to play a pretty big role in this one, I think as well. 
Um, I, I really – we haven't talked anything about that, but I, I hope they really let the boys play in this game. Um, I think it'll be really exciting, and uh, I'm going to give it to the one seed, the Lenovo. Um, little high-powered. Um, I think they'll be able to break that press that you talked about earlier, Sean, and kind of get out ahead of them and, and make it work. Yeah, I'm giving it to Villanova, too. At the end of the day, I think Villanova's offense is just too good to handle. Uh, West Virginia is not going to be able to keep up for 40 minutes on defense uh, with that offense coming at them. So I'm also giving it to Villanova. The second Sweet 16 matchup that we have is the Texas Tech Red Raiders and Purdue Boilermakers. Now, Texas Tech has been that dark horse I've been talking about in this bracket, but um... – you know, this, this is probably where I think Purdue might be able to get upset. Uh, they, they didn't play well against Michigan in that uh, Big Ten championship game. Uh, if that same thing happens where three-point shots aren't falling, they will lose the game. But Texas Tech is balanced. Uh, but once again, I think that size and the scoring ability of like Carson Edwards on Purdue is probably going to push them over the edge. I know the Big Ten's had a down year, but I think this is something that's going to be able to put them in the Elite Eight. Yep, and so that sets up our region championship for the East Elite Eight matchup of Villanova and Now, uh, this is the thing. Uh, You know, Purdue is not good enough to beat Villanova, in my own opinion. Uh, Watch them play, and Villanova is, like you said, going to run away eventually. Uh, I I don't think they'll be able to keep up with them for 40 minutes, and Villanova is going to probably advance into the Final Four. All right, so we have our final four contestant from the East as Villanova. All right, so that leaves us with the Midwest bracket as the last quadrant, so to say, of the 2018 NCAA bracket. Um, just want to dive right in, start off first with Kansas and Penn. We're not even going to dive in. We're just going to give Kansas the W. I've already explained myself in the last three re- so that sets up Seton Hall and NC State. Now this is where everything gets interesting. Um, I know a lot of people have Seton Hall uh, beating NC State in this matchup, but they have not done well at all against um, good teams this year. And the exact opposite, the exact opposite is true against about NC State. NC State has very quality wins, and uh, you know Seton Hall. You know, they, they got a few players that are good, but I don't think that even even if they come together, they can beat NC, an NC State team that has a couple NBA prospects on it. Yeah, um, I agree. NC State takes this one, in my opinion, as well. Um, next game sets up as number five Clemson and number 12 New Mexico State. Now, Sean and I had a conversation about this before our podcast, and we both agree that New Mexico State is looking pretty good to upset Clemson in this 12-5 matchup. You know, there's usually only one or two, and I have that South Dakota State-Ohio State matchup going down, but Clemson isn't the ACC team that everybody thinks they are. Um, you know, they, they came in third place in the ACC. You know, their, their leading scorer is Marquise Reed averaging 16 points a game. Uh, but they got Zach Lofton, who, who plays guard on the other side, that'll be playing right across from Marquise Reed. And I do think the guy is just a better player. Um, I've seen him dribble a few times. I've seen him take his, his shots. And we're going to get that upset to uh, New Mexico State. 
Uh, next game is number four, Auburn, and number 13, Charleston. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just make this one quick and easy. Um, I believe Auburn is a very good basketball team. Uh, they were very low-ranked at the beginning of the season, but they're going to get past uh, Charleston in this first-round matchup. That moves on to number six, TCU, and the winner of the Arizona State-Syracuse game as the 11th seed. Now, depending on who comes into this game, since we don't know quite yet, uh, it could present a little little difference for T- uh, indifference for TCU. Um, I think if Arizona State comes in, they're going to give a lot more trouble to TCU than if Syracuse does. Um, but TCU is a three-point shooting team, if I'm not mistaken, and they do it at a pretty good clip. Uh, they're, I think they're going to be good enough uh, coming out of the Big 12 to beat that, beat, beat that Pac-12 team and that ACC team and uh, be able to move along. So, moving on. The number three-seeded Michigan State Spartans and the number 14-seed Bucknell. Now, these are our Spartans. Uh, we obviously know how much talent the Spartans have. Uh, coming into March, you know, they had a bit of a long break and – you know, I've seen some things about this Bucknell team that gives some issues to the Michigan State squad. When, when teams really can knock down three-pointers better than Michigan State, it, it gives them a bit of an issue because they do have such a balanced attack inside out and can't really keep up with 3-3-3-3-3. Three, 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 three. But, you know, with Jaron Jackson Jr. down there in the middle and, you know, Tom Izzo talking about maybe even putting Jaron Jackson at the three for a few um, in this tournament, I think that would be really, really interesting to see. And I think it would be a pretty big game changer. So, I mean, I'm going to easily give this one to Michigan State uh, just because I, I do have them going pretty far in this tournament. Yeah. Um, for Michigan State, my big key for this game is ball screens, how they defend them, and keeping people off the three-point line as best as possible. But I think Michigan State does win this one. Not big, but I think they win it. Um Next is the seventh seed Rhode Island and the tenth seed Oklahoma. Now we started the show with me complaining about why Oklahoma is in the tournament in the first place. Um, they only won one game in February. Like I said, they, they've won four games this year uh, in the 2018 calendar year. Uh, Rhode Island is my pick in this game, surely by the fact of. Oklahoma and Trey Young, they, they, they can't just rely on one guy. And if he's jacking up 40-foot shots all night, there's no way they can win a basketball game in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, no. Um, so that sets up the last game for the Midwest region in round one as two-seed Duke and 15-seed Iona. All righty, here's my 15-2 upset. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Um, Duke's going to run away with this one with Marvin Bagley. Um, you know, as long as he stays healthy throughout this tournament, I see him ripping some people apart. You know, he's a really good NBA prospect, probably going to go in that top five um, area. And as much as Grayson Allen could spoil their chances, they're definitely going to get out of the first round. All right, moving on to the round of 32 in the Midwest region. We start with the one-seed Kansas and the nine-seed NC State. Now, this is where it gets interesting for me in my entire bracket. I said off top, I don't think Kansas is the best one-seed. I don't think that they really have what it takes to win a national title this year. Uh, I do think they will be the first one-seed to exit this tournament. As I said before, NC State owns wins over Duke by 11 points. They beat North Carolina once and lost to them once. 
They beat Clemson. They beat Arizona. And these, these games aren't, they're not strangers to these big games. Uh, I think that they're, Kansas might come into this game a little too overconfident um, after their 116 matchup and not really expect much out of this uh, Wolfpack team. Uh, NC State has what it takes with, with um, their, their guard. You know, I think his name's uh, Alex uh, Freeman. Uh, he, he makes his shots is the way that I'll put it. And if he can make his shots in this game against Kansas, I give this to NC state, you know, the majority of times. Yeah. I view it a little differently. I just think too much Devontae Graham. You know, there's a reason he's the finalist for national player of the year. Um, you got Azabuki down low, who for a while was leading the NCAA in field goal percentage. And then, you know, I like Svi Mikhailuk, Kansas. I've liked him since he was a freshman. I just – I think this Kansas team is too talented not to at least make the Sweet 16. Um, so, for the next round of 32 game, we have New Mexico State and Auburn. Now, I said, uh, you know, I think Auburn's been a good team all year. There, there was a good stretch where they were ranked in the top, I believe, top five to eight. Um, they were really in the top 12 the majority of the season, and – if you ask me, that really does say something about a team being able to stay consistently high the entire season, um, especially down in the SEC where, you know, some schools don't get as much love as they need to, um, you know, with, with having so many, so many good teams in that area. Um, I think Auburn, you know, uses, uses their experience and uses their, uh, their consistency to get past this uh, Cinderella New Mexico State. I have New Mexico State. Um... I think this just sets up as a perfect storm for New Mexico State to make a run. Um, you have Clemson in the first round. Clemson lost one of their best players earlier in the year. Um, the second round game against Auburn. Auburn lost one of their best players a couple weeks ago. And I just think both teams, have, their level of play has gone down in that time. And I think that opens the door for New Mexico State to come out and make a run to the Sweet 16, try and build some momentum up, and, you know, who knows? So... Yeah, so, moving on from that. I just wanted to make a note to the listeners here. So this is really where Sean and I have our biggest discrepancy in our brackets. Uh, you know, I, I definitely think this is going to be a lower seeded top half of uh, the Midwest with NC State and Auburn in the Elite Eight. Um, you know, he's got Kansas and then the 12 seed New Mexico State. Uh, but you know, this is where this is where the madness all comes into play. Yeah, you know, you never know what's going to happen. So we yeah, like we're going to sit here and talk about all these games and thing is we really don't know what's going to happen we're here giving you our best thoughts um but you know moving on to the round of 32 with uh midwest we have tcu matched up against our michigan state spartans now tcu um i've had a, a lot of people tell me they think that they could take down michigan state but uh tcu you know their their best quality win is against nevada um, they beat the new, the new uh, first four in St. Bonaventure by 11 points. Um, but, you know, they're, they're not I – I just don't think that they're going to be good enough to get past the talent of Michigan State. Um, you know, they, they, they went two and four against the top 25. And I know they got a really, really tough schedule. Um, but I really like the lottery picks on the Spartans to do some work. Yeah, um, my feeling is TCU coming into this game, they had a really rough – January and February. Um, Michigan State, on the contrary, went on that 12-game run going into the Big Ten tournament. Um, 
the winning streak ended there. But I just think that winning basketball in the year of 2018 is going to play out in this game. Michigan State's going to be have more confidence coming into this game. I think they beat TCU handily. Um, next game, Rhode Island and Duke. And, you know, this is uh, a matchup that a lot of people um, wouldn't really talk about. Uh, you know, I told you Rhode Island is, you know, quite efficient with the ball, uh, but they're just not as good as Duke is. You know, I told you with Grayson Allen, you probably will turn up pretty well in one of these few games, you know, drop 25, 28 points. Because that's just something he's going to end up doing in his senior year in the tournament. I, I can really see that happening. and I think it's going to be this game. And I really think that Duke is, is going to pull away from Rhode Island and, and win big. Yeah, I agree. Um, Duke just too much for Rhode Island in this game. Bagley, Carter, Allen, it's just too much for Rhode Island. Um, moving to the Sweet 16 in the Midwest bracket, we start off with North Carolina State and Auburn. Now, I told you, I, I really I, – I put a lot of uh, stock in these big games that NC State has won this year. Um, Sean did mention, you know, Auburn's, Auburn's down uh, a little bit here, but they're not – I think that this nine seed is really going to be the surprise of the tournament. Um, I think they're going to move on into the Elite Eight. Um, NC State's won a – you know, they've won a title before. They've made plenty of runs um, that deep into the NCAA tournament. And it's, it usually happens when people ex, at least expect it. Um, I'm, I'm going to give this to NC State and make them my lowest-seeded uh, member of the Elite Eight. All right, moving on. This sets up as one of probably the bigger games of the tournament if it comes to happen. We have the three-seed Michigan State and the two-seed Duke. Now, this is something I, I still don't understand why this is a Sweet 16 matchup and not something a little bit further down the road. You know, these two teams played each other at the very, 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 very beginning of the season. Um, Duke came out on top. It was close, and then they stretched it out there at the end. Um, but they didn't, they didn't have Bagley for the majority of that game. Uh, you know, he got taken out with five minutes in that first half, and they were still able to hold off Michigan State. Now, I know Michigan State was fairly inexperienced as a team, um, together-wise with Jaron Jackson getting pushed into the fold at the beginning of the year. And I think Jaron Jackson has definitely um, improved his game over the year. You know, he's uh, blocking shots left and right. And I think if they do match up Jaron Jackson at the three or at the four in this game, like Tom Izzo has talked about, and have him one up on Bagley instead of Nick Ward, um, it really could change the game. Uh, this is that game I told you I, I, I hope that Grayson Allen uh, makes that mistake and, and pushes Duke backwards rather than forwards. Uh, I think the talent of Michigan State is, is, hard to, is hard to down, but the record that Tom Izzo has against Coach K, it's 1-11. That, that's, that's even harder for me. Um, I, I'm going to go ahead and give this one to uh, Duke. I, I do think that they, they showed it at the beginning of the season that they have what it takes, and if Michigan State has a game where they have 15 turnovers or, you know, they, they aren't able to uh, out-rebound Duke, there's no way they're going to be able to get past. Yeah, and I'll just add my point real quick so we can stay timely. Um, like you said, Bagley didn't play a lot of that first game in Michigan State. Um, Duke also was barely in the infancy of running their 2-3 zone, which has gotten a lot better over the course of the season. 
I would love nothing more for my Spartans to prove me wrong. But for this game, my head is going with Duke. And so that sets up our Midwest Region Championship game in the Elite Eight of NC State and Duke. Now, I told you guys this is going to be an interesting one. Um, NC State, they, they've already done it once. So I, I, it's hard for me to think about, uh, think about them doing it again. Um, you know, they won by 11 points earlier in the season. Uh, but like we just said about Duke, um, I think they're going to be able to turn this on at the right time and kind of put it all together. Um, Duke's going to pull out this win against NC State, kind of do their revenge game here um, to one of their, you know, probably their worst loss of the season, really. Uh, so I, I give it to Duke. All right. So giving it to Duke puts them in the final four for the Midwest, which sets up a final four matchup of Villanova and Duke. All right. So our final four is set. Um, we have Arizona facing off against North Carolina and Villanova going against Duke. So we'll give it a breakdowns here in just a second. All right, everyone. Welcome to the final four matchups for the 2018 NCAA bracket. We're just going to dive right in and start off with Arizona and North Carolina. Now, uh, this is going to be a good matchup. I, I know I've been talking Arizona up a lot over this, uh, over this show today. And the reason is, is because I, I really do think that they, they can win this tournament. I think they might be the best team in, in this tournament. Or maybe not the best team, but they will be able to pull this out. Um, you know, the, the front court with, um, with DeAndre Ayton and, and Ristic, they're, they're going to outplay, um, you know, Joel Berry on that backcourt. And I, I think, and um, Hay down there on the forward, there's just too much um, rebounding, too much scoring for this Arizona team. DeAndre Ayton averages 20 and a half points per game. They got four scorers or, or four players who are averaging over 12 points uh, per game for the entire season. A couple of them um, are actually shooting over 50% for the whole season. We're in, and we're in March. Uh, you know, if they can keep that clip up running into the final four, there's going to be a lot of momentum. And, you know, Roy Williams always brings a good squad, especially when you get to the final four. They're scary. Uh, but, you know, Arizona is my, my favorite here. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and put them right into the national championship game. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Arizona makes it to the national championship game. And for a lot of what you said, um, I think Arizona's big guys and Aiton and Ristich match up well against North Carolina's front court, being a little bit younger and, and smaller in some spots. Like, for example, I don't know who Luke May guards in this game. Exactly. I don't think that he, he might have more of a chance to open up his three-point shooting on offense, but defense, I think he's going to be a liability for this game. I also like Alonzo Trier matched up with Williams at the two spot for mm -hmm. UNC. I think that it's just going to be too much offense for UNC to handle. And so that's why I have Arizona going into the national championship. Yeah, I just I don't think that they can have that, that veteran Joel Berry um, push them into that national championship game. It really has to be a whole team effort. And with the matchups, like you said, it's going to be really tough. So, so we both got Arizona moving on. And flipping over to the other side, we have Villanova and Duke, and I'll let you go first. Yeah, of course. Now, this is, this is another one of those matchups that I know college basketball fans across the entire nation are going to salivate over. 
Um, everybody will be watching this game if this is what the Final Four matchup is. Um, I think it's a great, uh, a great matchup. Um, but, you know, you think about the road to the Final Four. Uh, if Duke realistically has to go through Michigan State, you know, uh, Kansas, if, if, if my bracket's wrong and NC State isn't there in the, in the Elite Eight, if they got to go through that one seed Kansas, and then imagine going, you know, Michigan State, Kansas, and then having to beat Villanova just to get to the national title game. Um, you know, that seems like a pretty hard road for anybody coming out of the Midwest. Um, you know, Duke has a lot of good players with, with, Mar- you know, with young players, I guess is the way I should put it. Um, you know, being led in the, in the front court by some young guys. Uh, but with Villanova having the experience that they do, the, the, the dynamic that Jay Wright um, brings to the Villanova program, you know, he's really had the experience now. They, they won that national title only two years ago. And I really think that this team is better than that national title team. Um, they, they look better. Um, they're more efficient. And, you know, if Duke really has that road, I'm going to find it hard for them to play three perfect games in a row in order to get to the national championship game. Yeah, I also have Villanova. Um, I think that their backcourt takes over in this game, and they ride that backcourt past Duke. Duke's going to need a a tremendous game from Bagley and Carter down low to have a chance in this game. I think that could happen, but I just think Villanova's – backcourt of Brunson and Bridges and whoever else they have back there matches up well and much better than Trent Duvall and Allen for Duke. I just think Villanova has too much in this game for Duke to handle and they make the national championship game. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, I talked about some issues that Duke could run into with, you know, if, if, if anything happens to one of their players in this tournament, you know, that really puts a dip. If Grayson Allen, you know, makes a ma- makes a stupid play, that could tr- change the tide in a Final Four game. Uh, that you know is irreversible, um, and you know it's it's weird to see that out of a senior quote unquote leader that they've had for four years. Um, but you know that's the, the player that he's been, and when you have the experience of Villanova's backcourt, um, you know the two of those guys, you know Bridges is going to be a great NBA prospect. Um, there's no way that I see uh, Grayson Allen, you know, and Duvall outplaying that backcourt, like you said. Yeah, it's going to take a, a monumental game from Bagley, and it's going to take uh, Allen having a game like he had against Michigan State to open the year where he goes out for 37. It's just going to be have to be one of those games. I don't think Duke has that in them after having to play, like you said, possibly match up with Michigan State or Kansas and then having to play Villanova on the back end of that stretch. I just don't think they have enough to get it done. So yep. that, set, that sets up a national championship game for both of us as Vil- Arizona and Villanova. And uh, the one thing we agree upon is that, uh, that we both think that these are the best two teams in this tournament, and they, we definitely both think that they can make a run. So, Sean, you want to go ahead and give the folks your, uh, your national championship prediction? Yes, I have Villanova winning the national championship. For a lot of the same reasons, I have them beating Duke. I think the backcourt of Brunson and Bridges beats out the backcourt that Arizona puts out on the court with a Parker Jackson Cartwright or Jackson Parker Cartwright with Raleigh Alkins. I just think that they match up better defensively against Arizona's offense than Arizona's offense. Um, sorry. Villanova's defense is much better than Arizona's offense when it comes to the backcourt. 
Uh, Arizona's going to get their ball down low. They're going to get their two points, but Villanova's going to come back with threes. And I just don't think Arizona can keep up with them in this game. I think Villanova probably wins this game by 10 points. Okay, and then I'm totally on the other side of the spectrum here. I I know we are talking about the stellar play um, from the backcourt of Villanova going up to this game. But as I mentioned with Arizona against North Carolina, um, you you think that, uh, you know, Villanova's defense is going to be able to outplay this Arizona offense. But I really do think this Arizona offense is is high caliber, high powered. Um, You know, you got two seven footers sitting down low, uh, one who scores 20 points a game. Um, And then when you got, you know, Alonzo Trayer up there, uh, you know, he might not be the best defender. But he he makes his shots. He can make them from all over the place. And, you know, like I said, there, there's three guys shooting over 50%. Um, if you have lights out shooting like that and you have the ability to grab or out-rebound Villanova by 10 or maybe even 12 rebounds, that's going to give an Arizona offense that is so efficient five, maybe even 10 more looks at the basket than Villanova and you know if they can even sink half of those opportunities I think that'll be the difference in this game um you know I definitely think this is going to be a fantastic matchup uh you know Villanova is probably the big favorite for a lot of people coming into this but with Arizona making the run that they do and I don't think that they have the hardest road to get to the final four so you know if they can get their confidence up if they can get rolling and if they beat that UN, that good UNC team in the Final Four, I think there's no stopping that train once they get into the national title game. Yeah, and so those are our national title predictions. So we would really like to uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, we appreciate your time, and I really hope uh, you guys enjoy this tournament because I know I will. I think it's panning out to be one of the better ones in recent memory. A lot of people say that this is a wide open year. Um, But if you really take it to the brass tacks, there's some great teams in this tournament and I really look for them to show up. Yeah. I think this tournament is going to be, like you said, wide open. And I think it goes back to some of those seating issues where there's just so many good teams, you know, putting them all in spots where they belong is hard. And I think that's probably some of the issue the selection committee had. And I think in the long run, it turns out great for basketball fans because we're going to have a lot of great games to watch. Yep, all throughout the tournament, you know, you got some Sweet 16 matchups, some some Elite 8 matchups that really raise some eyebrows. So um, I I really do believe that we're going to have some fun this year. Yeah, fun indeed. So thank you all for listening. This is Just Saying with Jake and Sean. We are going to be back next week with a whole new show for you. So we would look forward to bringing that out for you. Keep an eye out for us, and uh, we'll see you next week.